Hello friends, Michael Greywolf here. I know it's been a minute uh, since we've put out any new content. I miss doing this, my co-hosts miss doing this, and yeah, we miss sharing our tradition with you. It's just, you know, COVID has kind of taken a lot of the wind out of my sails, <laughs> and it's been, I have had almost no motivation to do this. And, you know, the break has actually been kind of good. I've been able to focus on some other projects. And, you know, unfortunately, I've taken on some other projects as well. But that does not mean I have given up on doing this podcast. And I'm hoping in the next few weeks I will be a little bit more focused, be a little bit more centered, be able to come back and continue to share our path, our tradition with you. But just, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the Brotherhood. We are... You know, we're still growing, we're still doing the work that Hyperion set out to do. We're doing the work of the ancestors, we're doing the work of our guides, and we're doing the work of our of our brotherhood. Anyways, I'm rambling a little bit. I hope you all enjoyed this episode, which I am replaying for the four-year anniversary of this podcast. I can't believe it's been four years. Four years and 69 episodes. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe it. we've done that much. But anyways, this is a rebroadcast of the very first episode of Walking the Unnamed Path. Uh, this was back when Matthew and myself were part of the Pagans Tonight Radio Network. So it's live, and you know, <laughs> listening back to it makes me cringe a little bit because I'm, I would like to go back and edit it. But I think if I did that, it would take away from the just the energy of this first episode. So, anyways, I hope you enjoy, and know that we will be back as soon as we can. Hope you have a blessed day. And now, on to the show. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Walking the Unnamed Path. I am Michael Greywolf, artist, traveler, all-around geek, witch, and a brother initiate and soon-to-be teacher of the Unnamed Path. And I'm Matthew Sidney, a songwriter, storyteller, urban bard, mystic, and a new initiate of the Unnamed Path. For those who don't know, the Unnamed Path is an emerging spiritual path for men who love men, based on teachings received from our ancestors. Um, it is the will of our ancestors that we resume our prehistoric role as spiritual leaders through offering such services as prophecy, energy healing, serving as midwife, and serving as midwives for the dying. The Anand Path was founded in around 2007 when Hyperion made contact with a particular group of ancestral spirits of queer men, or as we say, men who love men who desire to help us awaken to our spiritual gifts. If you haven't done so already, we urge you to check out Hyperion's original podcast episodes, which can be found at unnamedpath.com. And if you happen to be a fan of iTunes, you can also go into iTunes and type in Unnamed Path, and it should be the only thing that pops up. Hope, but hopefully our show will pop up too now. <laughs> uh, despite Hyperion's death in 2014, the Unnamed Path has continued to grow, and the ancestors continue to teach us and work with us. There are folks all over the world who have incorporated these teachings into their practices, 
and we are here to share ideas and continue to work with what Hyperion started. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Michael, I, I actually have a question for you. Um, I think mm -hmm. our callers will be interested, and you and I have never had this conversation. Um, will you share with us how you discovered the Unnamed Path? Certainly. Um, <coughs> sorry. Oh, that coffee. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> It'll do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was introduced to the Unnamed Path. Gosh, I'm trying to think the year it was it's been about two or three years since I was introduced to the path um, it was at a gathering down in Texas called um, CMA uh, Council of Magical Arts uh, it was for their Beltane celebration and I was actually uh, introduced to some people who, had, who I hadn't seen before at the celebration who apparently had been long time goers I just had never run across them. Uh, these people are two, two of our brothers. Um, Chase, not, oh, sorry, I almost called Cliff Chase. I don't think he would mind that, but uh, <laughs> Cliff Camacho and uh, Billy Gray uh, are two of our brothers down in Texas. I believe Cliff is almost to the point where he is about to be ready to take on students as a teacher, but I don't think he's quite there yet. But anyways, uh, I was having a conversation with Cliff around the bonfire, and he was telling me about his experiences with the dark goddess and whatnot, and telling me a little bit about the path, and I was like, okay, this is sounding really interesting to me, because at that time, my spiritual practice was kind of at a standstill. I was looking, I was very eclectic Wicca, or eclectic witchcraft. I wasn't really Wicca, and everything he was saying was, you know, just really, you know, making sense to me, and then when he said the gods of the Unnamed Path were consorts to each other, uh, they were not consorts to the goddess, I was like, okay, I can really identify with this now, and I was like, I would really like to hear more about it. And around that time was when the first Stone and Stang was also happening. So I have a flyer from the first Stone and Stang that he ha had and he gave me. And it, after the event, you know, I looked up the MN Path, uh, looked at the website, started listening to some of the podcasts, and decided to get in touch with Cliffy. And he then put me in touch with Chase Powers, who ended up becoming my teacher uh, for the MN Path. And that's how I got involved. What about you, Matthew? Oh, boy. So uh, I discovered the Indian Path fairly recently, um, probably a year and a half ago. I, um, in, in, in my background, I, I, I had been uh, an avid fan of Wicca since childhood. And then as I got older, I... I branched off into um, additional practices um, outside of that. Um, and around the time, maybe three or four years ago, I started getting involved in ancestor work and ancestral healing and getting more in touch with um, guides and, and ancestral guides. And I started getting messages um, 
from them about um, queer folk and their uh, spiritual gifts and that in our, in our culture, we're really not encouraged to or taught in any way how to dig into and manifest and use those gifts. Uh, our uh, modern tolerant society, quote-unquote, is, is extremely materialistic. And I started getting these ideas, and, and a couple people I was close to I could talk with, and, and, and they were on the same page. But it was really refreshing. Someone uh, online posted a link uh, about the ending path, and that's how I discovered Hyperion's podcast. And it was incredibly affirming to me because listening to his podcast and listening to the messages that he was getting, it dovetailed perfectly with things that I was being shown and that, to be honest, I was a little resistant to. So it kind of made me feel like, okay, well, if I'm insane, at least I'm not the only person who's insane in this way. Uh, And then, um, (laughs) so it was shortly after that, I I think it was after I'd started listening to the Hyperion's podcast that uh, one of the teachers announced that they were starting a class and I decided to take the plunge. And it's been an amazing experience ever since. Awesome. <clears throat> oh, gosh. Um, I, I think, um, I, I, you know, someone had uh, emailed me some questions. And I'd like to touch on those. But maybe we should uh, open up uh, to listeners if anyone wants to dial in um, and chat with us if anyone has any questions. Uh, you can dial in live at 347-308-8222. Again, that's 347-308-8222. We welcome you to call in. Um, Michael and I are doing this because uh, there's a lot of folks who want to learn more about the unnamed path. It's not a path that you're going to find books on at Barnes & Noble. So this is something that we're doing to help folks out around the world who want to learn a little bit more. And if you happen to be on like the blog talk uh, website, there is the option to join the chat room, which we have open. If you want to pop in, ask any questions on there, feel free to. Um, let's, let me see. Yeah, let's see. I do see that we do have someone over here. Let me. Let me pop in and see if they are wanting to be on the air. Uh, why don't you, Matthew, when yes. we were introducing ourselves, uh, you s- said you were an urban bard. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that real quick? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a singer-songwriter, and uh, I do see myself as an urban bard, meaning um, – I see the role of the songwriter in society as being one of uh, not only entertaining people, but also educating people and also helping folks to discover their personal myth and also raising awareness about social issues and uh, environmental issues or or whatever issues are, are, are important and pertinent. Um, So for me, um, you know, as a lifelong student of, of mysticism um, and of magic, so to speak, music is my 
my magic, if you will. It, it, that's that's my tool for um, receiving inspiration from the divine and then conveying that message to listeners in, in whatever form that takes. Very cool. Well, you know, since this is our first episode, I don't think we're really going to have a lot of people calling in just yet to, you know, call and interact with us. But we're hoping with, you know, the next few shows that we have that we'll get some people calling in and maybe giving us topics for future shows. We do have uh, a few kind of general questions that we tend to get asked as Brothers of the Unnamed Path. And we're going to touch on a few of them because some of these can become long conversations. And so we'll try to space these out a little bit. Um, But let me see. Before we jump into that, I just wanted to say uh, right now, if I sound a little flustered, today has been a very hectic day for me. Um, It's right Today is actually Pride here where I live. So I came oh, wow. running straight over here. Yeah, I came running over to get to my computer in time for for the show. Um, my partner and I had gone to brunch with a friend, and we were walking around the Pride festivities. And right as our show is starting is when the parade is supposed to be starting over there. So he's over oh, there with our be- friends. And yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm over here. Uh, but... Also got some news that my uh, partner's sister is in labor today. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. He's going to have a new baby nephew at some point today or tomorrow, you know, however long it takes for him to decide to come out. Very cool. And also, also today is, um, for those who have been following the Unlink Path for a while now, they know that one of our brothers uh, passed away recently, um, John Ravenmoon. And today is actually a little, a little memorial party that his partner and friends and family uh, are holding for him. So a lot of our brothers on like the East Coast, wait, no, not Southeast, West Coast, you're on the East Coast, Matthew, yeah. <laughs> uh, are, are right now... Uh, celebrating Ravenmoon's life. So I just wanted to say that, you know, we miss Ravenmoon very much, but we're happy he is no longer in pain after a long fight with cancer. Yeah, I I only had the opportunity to meet him once, and it was unforgettable. He was sick at the time, but his spirit and his beauty shone through and the most memorable thing to me are his beautiful eyes and just peering into them and was like looking at a night sky full of overlapping stars just incredible and um you know it's you know of course you know he is missed and um but he's uh, he's with us. He's still with us, and um, we're very blessed for that. And uh, I guess consider myself very fortunate. I did have the opportunity to meet him in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to make one announcement before we start uh, going into questions. Um, Stone and Stang 
is uh, fast mm-hmm. approaching. It is starting October 7th. It is a spiritual retreat for men who love men, um, and it is uh, organized by Brothers of the Onion Path. We have some very exciting events scheduled, um, one of which is going to be an ancestor ball. Uh, go dancing with the ancestors. Uh, so it's it's uh, you can go to um, stoneandstang.com to get more information uh, to register. Um, there are actually still some spots open for programs. So uh, if there's any listeners who are experienced in uh, shamanic journeying or energy healing, or if there's something you'd like to present on, you don't have to be a member to be a presenter to put together a workshop. So go to stoneandstang.com and feel free, even though it says that the deadline has passed, uh, we've extended it. So feel free to submit any proposals that you may have. Um, and it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Where is it so, going to be this year? It's going to be at, it's going to be in Santa Cruz Mountains, California. And the theme is Guardians of the Gates, Bridging the Physical and Spiritual Worlds, October 7th through 10th. And register at stoneandstang.com. And, of course, uh, um, you can contact me um, on Facebook, Matthew Sidney. If you you need more information or have questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. I'll be glad to help. anyone if they need any any guidance, if they're thinking of, of coming. It's going to be really exciting, and I think it's especially a valuable opportunity. I know I've met a lot of folks who are curious about Unnamed Path. They want to know more about it. You know, it's a little different from other paths that are out there where you can just go to the bookstore and buy a bunch of books and feel like you have a sense of what it's all about. Um, so for anyone who's curious about maybe taking the class or maybe getting more deeply into it, um, I think attending Stone and Sang is a great way to meet uh, the brothers. I mean, at least in my experience, a big part of what we are is the fellowship and the brotherhood. It's, it's you know, yes. it, it's a family. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, being able to meet some of the folks in person is going to be very valuable. Yeah, especially since, you know, we are still fairly a young tradition, so we're kind of scattered all over the place. There, I, I like to say there's like three major hubs for the unnamed path. There is California, where a lot of others are, and that was where Hyperion was based out of. Uh, next would be Portland, where we have, I want to say, like, four or five brothers up there and mm-hmm. three, three of them are teachers. We just mm-hmm. had a couple of teachers move to Portland. Uh, and next would be Texas with, there's a small handful of them there. And there's like three of us here in the Midwest. And uh, there's, I said, well, there's a couple, a couple initiates in the Midwest. And I think only a couple on the East Coast. I think uh, one in Florida who would be me, and I think we have one in New York, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah that would be Kai. Yeah. And, yeah, that's one, two, three, 
Yeah, there's uh, three of us here in the Midwest. There's me, uh, there's our brother Paul, who's just north of Chicago, and Ryan, who's in St. Louis. So we're kind so of scattered. I, I, yeah. Well, you know, and and one of the things that, you know, I really wanted to, to learn about it, and I was really thankful that it is possible to, to take the class remotely. You know, my, my teacher is based in California. So, um you know, uh, I've, I've become really, really good at calculating time changes. <laughs> yeah, um, I wish you know, I had I had that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, believe me, at the beginning of that year, I did it. But, uh, you know, it's amazing what your brain can pick up if you really need to. Um, you know, there's. I'm looking at the, the questions that were emailed in, and there's one that's jumping out at me because I've heard a lot of people ask this: um, Is the name path only for men who love men? And then he clarifies that with, "I know a bisexual woman who loves men who love men, and she incorporates some of the podcasts into her practice." Um. So, Michael, yeah, I'm going to ask true. you. That's I'll give my opinion, question. but I'll. I'll let you go first and share your take on it. Yes, Downlane Pass is specifically for men who love men. Um, Gay men, bisexual, uh, if you are a transgendered male who loves men, then you are someone who uh, this path is for. It's all about, it's our energetic vibrations that make this path specific for men who love men. Our our energetic vibration is going to be different than that of, you know, women who love women or men and women who love each other. So that is what Hyperion was you know, kind of aiming for when he was getting this path founded. Not to say that you cannot use the teachings and techniques Hyperion uh, put out there in the podcast to you know discover your own mysteries and we highly encourage that um we we've always said that there is a sister tradition out there that is women who love women but we as men cannot you know tap into that we cannot dictate that because obviously we are men it's not our mysteries but if there happens to be a woman out there who is able to get tap into her mysteries through what Hyperion taught, we want to know about it. We want to help any way we can. We want to celebrate it. You know, so that is my take on it. Yeah, actually, I have I have a very good friend who's asked me more than once. Oh, is there a is there a spinoff of of Unnamed Path for uh, women who love women? And my reaction is, not yet, so you better get on it. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I mean, at least in my experience, um, you know, the, the the pool of ancestors that we draw from, and, and especially the deities, are very affirming of that. So I think it's more of, you know, let's say, for instance, women who love women. I think it's it's more along the lines of they're waiting for, a woman who loves women or, or a group of women who loves women to adopt some of these techniques and to start tapping into and contacting with 
their unique um, tribe of ancestral spirits and to tap into their unique um, spiritual energy signature. So it's their waiting on the other side of the veil, um, but it's up to folks on this side of the veil to reach out for it. Um, you know, and then, and then Michael, I think, I think you said it, and, and I think also Hyperion mentions it on his podcast. Um, you could be a straight person, you can be undecided, and you can do exercises and, and follow the teachings that are outlined in Hyperion's podcast. Um, you know, that's, it's, it, it, these are practices and, and, and tools and lessons that are good for everybody. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just that um, more in the realm of if you're, if you're not a man who loves men, you're not going to, especially when it comes to initiation, you're not going to really tap into and resonate with that same energy um, effectively. Um, and then also an important part, for me when I went through my year of study was the shadow work. And a big part of that is healing the wounds and issues that um, gay men and bi men have in our society. You know, we are mm-hmm. carrying on our shoulders, you know, a couple thousand years or longer of, of oppression. And these are some unique, this is some unique baggage and wounds that we need to heal in ourselves so that we can go forth and be healers. Um, someone who's not a man who loves men doesn't necessarily suffer from that same baggage, that same societal baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny story. I've been trying to remember who exactly told me this, but there was an instance when uh, you know Hyperion was getting all these questions and whatnot. You know, is there a path for women or something like that? He actually was. He found himself somehow. He doesn't remember how he did it. But he found himself, you know, in front of the ancestors of women who love women, and they were like, "Who are you? Why are you here? Go away!" Basically. <laughs> so, and you know, another thing is, who are we as men? Who are we to tell women how to worship, how to do their practices? That's another right. thing. Um, like, if we had a, if there was a woman who came in who was telling us as gay men, no, 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 you need to focus more on this and not that. We'd be like, how do you know this? You know, why, mm-hmm. why are you telling us this? So, that's another thing. You know, it's definitely we cannot be telling women how to do stuff or even straight people that this is how you do stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's a little sticky because as our society evolves, the politically correct approach is to present equality as sameness. Um, So as we become more tolerant, we tend to work under the assumption that there are no differences between us. Um, and I, I think that that does a disservice um, 
personally, yeah. I, I do ascribe to the idea that there are genetic differences between queer folks and straight folks. Um, and I think that that also transcends the biological level. I do think that there are, uh, that there are unique spiritual destinies for queer folks versus straight folks. Um, and, and we've seen this, I think, in, 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 in anthropology, in, in indigenous cultures, you know, in, in, in many uh, other um, cultures, you're, you're what we would call queer folks today, back in, 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 in a uh, pre-colonized cultural context, these folks uh, would often be recognized as being unique and they would have a unique spiritual role. They would comprise basically a special class of shamans or a special class of, of priesthood. Um, you know, cross-dressing um, dressing male priests are uh, something that existed in pre-colonial um, America and also in, in pre-Roman Europe and um, pre-Christian Middle East. So, you know, all over the world, you know, the, it's something that was recognized. Yes, there's a difference, but it doesn't mean these people are bad or inferior. They just have a special role to play. Um, and I guess for me, uh, I did run out and read because Hyperion recommended it in, in one of his first podcasts is um, Two Flutes Playing by uh, – the author's last name is Romer. I can't remember his first name offhand. It's and uh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Reimer. Andrew, Andrew Reimer. So uh, anyone you know listening who hasn't read that book, I would strongly encourage them to do so because in many ways that's going to give you a, a, an introduction to the purpose of the unnamed path and where the unnamed path is going to take you. Um, that's kind of the, the springboard, I think, for much of our work. Yeah. And just, you know, if you do happen to get the book, it's not a big book, but it is a lot to digest. We, you know, when we have our, when the students read the book, we tell them, you know, take your time because you're going to want to read a few pages and then stop and digest it because portions of the book are actually channeled, um, like part of it is an ancestor of men who loves men. Another one is a celestial being. And then there's also sections from Andrew uh, Reimer. So it's, it's a meaty read. It's not a big book, but it is a meaty read. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't read it from beginning to end. I had to jump. I eventually read the whole thing, but I did find myself jumping um, from part to part in the book. I, I, I couldn't read it in a linear way. Uh, oh. So there's another question. Oh. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, our brother Paul is in the chat room. He's, and he says he didn't get, uh, oh, let's see, where was it? Uh, oh, yes, okay. As a new, he said, as a new initiate of the unnamed path, one of the things that most impressed him is a sense of brotherhood that he has with the other initiates of the path. He didn't really get that from other queer pagan groups. So, 
Yay. I'm glad you get you're getting yeah, that it, from the Brotherhood, Paul. Yeah, I, I definitely want to echo what Paul said. I mean, for me, you know, if you just want to learn about energy healing and and, and magic and shamanic journeying, um, there's many many ways you can learn those things. You know, you could listen to High Parents podcasts and then go off. There's many many other resources to explore. Uh, unnamed path is you know it's it's a fraternity you're you're being adopted into um a family and for me my initiation was this incredibly beautiful and unforgettable experience and um i you know i was just so grateful for all the folks who came out to help and participate you know it wasn't just the students and the teacher you know many many other brothers uh, who were able to came and, and participated and helped. And it was just uh, an incredible rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another question in the chat room. As a potential new student, is there something that one can, uh, is there, is this something that one can go into without much experience? And I'm guessing he means the unnamed path in general. And yes, um, as when I first started the ending path, like I said, I was very eclectic. I had no type of formal training in witchcraft or magic at all. The ending path is my primary tradition. So, you know, all the meditations and you know whatever magic that we teach in the courses is my first, like, really in-depth, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My first uh, experience with formal training. Uh, there are, you know, lots of brothers who have had formal training in other traditions who, that they still practice. And that's another thing. You can be a brother of the name path and still be a member of some other tradition. Uh, we have brothers who are members of uh, fairy tradition, uh, we have a brother who's a druid. Um, you know, it's just all up to you. What do you think, Matthew? Uh, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of the folks, you know, I had, I definitely had uh, a background in, although I hadn't been trained, I did have a, a background in, in, in Wicca, I, I was an initiate of Primordial Sound. Um, I had spent uh, years um, working with and learning from a uh, Lakota Oglalasu uh, holy man and learning from that tradition um, before I, I came into the Unnamed Path. But for someone who's brand new to spirituality, I think it is safe. And, and I think the classes are geared definitely towards someone who doesn't have a background uh, in whether it be magic or shamanic practice or healing. And it is very much what you're going to learn is going to be a foundation in, in each of the four aspects that Unnamed Path teaches. Um, If anything, um, it's it lays a good foundation and is going to prepare you to continue to learn because 
I mean, for me, do I feel like I'm an expert in anything after my initiation? Not at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm, 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 you know, an, an, an expert in admitting that I don't know very much. <laughs> so um, for me, it's, it's started, um, it's helped to organize. I mean, for me, you know, these are things I studied on my own. Um, taking the class provided me with structure. So now I have a foundation instead of it just being a bunch of rubble, it's kind of like a smooth, solid platform. Um, so as I continue to learn, and as my practice continues to grow, I feel like I'm building on a steady foundation rather than a haphazard one. Yeah, um, exactly. Like a lot of our brothers specialize in various other things, and they use the online path to help uh, expand what they are already have learned or are learning at the moment. We have brothers who are very much into different types of herbalism, or uh, we have brothers who have been uh, students of the Body Electric School, um, and we have other brothers who do a lot of just various types of magic, sigil work, or uh, even curse work. You know, we have brothers who are very much into um, hoodoo, which is you know one of the aspects that Hyperion brought to the Alien Path. He was very much into hoodoo, so a lot of our spells that we end up learning initially are very much rooted in hoodoo. Let me see. So there's <coughs> another question that is jumping out at me that I think is interesting. Why do the Wiccan gods have to be necessarily heterosexual in contrast to the homosexuality of the unnamed path gods? Well, I would say that the, you know, how, how am I wanting to say this? Depending on what branch of Wicca you are looking into, if you're saying like traditional Gardnerian Wicca, Gardner was, I remember correctly, he was a heterosexual male. And so you know, that's definitely something that he can understand, he can identify with. And also the fact that Wicca or general paganism, it's usually based on some sort of agrarian system. And fertility to them is you know, a man and a woman together. Um, it. I don't know if that sounded right. <laughs> no, I, I, head, it makes so. sense to me. It makes. I mean, my take is, I just thought it was an interesting question, um, mm -hmm. because for me, I don't think of the gods as having a sexual orientation, per se. Mm -hmm. I see the gods as when they interact with us, they manifest themselves to us in ways that we can relate to that reflect and mirror our experience so that we can have a stronger connection with them. So I, I you know, for me, for, for someone to say, well, cause I think what the, this person was saying is, well, I think what this person was saying was, was that he personally doesn't see the Wiccan gods as heterosexual. So why is it necessary to have an unnamed path? 
I don't think it has anything to do with the gods. It has to do with the people. It has to do with the tradition. In its origins, modern Wicca, um, Gardnerian, Alexandrian, you know, etc., Buckland, the Farrars, that whole, those lineages, it was very much a boy-girl, boy-girl, polarity-based magical system where the emphasis was on men have a certain energy signature, women have a certain energy signature that is different and we're coming together to balance those out because when those complementary energies are in balance, we're able to create. Um, mm. And I think many queer people who are natural witches and who have been drawn to Wiccan covens have felt a little out of place. And I've certainly heard stories, I've spoken to people who said, oh, yeah, I used to belong to this Wiccan coven, but it, it got kind of awkward, and, and I didn't feel like I quite belonged because I was gay, and I didn't really fit in with what they were doing. So I think that's where Unnamed Path comes in, because, again, it's not like, oh, here's a coven that's going to tolerate you. Here's a coven that's going to let you be a part of what we're doing. Unnamed Path is a fraternity that says, you're a part of what we're doing because you're a gay man, because you're a bisexual man, because you have that unique energy signature, because you already have the masculine and feminine polarity within yourself that you have the ability to be your own working partner, um, to, you know, to put it in Wiccan terms. So that's kind of how I understand it. Um, but I think everyone probably has their own take. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of see that, the, you know, the unnamed path deities, they do present as homosexual to us because these are aspects of divinity that are reaching out to queer folks to help us, to help awaken the, the divinity within us in a way that we don't have to be part of a group or a system that makes us feel like a round peg trying to fit into a square hole. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have a couple of other things that popped up in our chat room. Uh, let's see. Chris right here is wanting to know what is the commitment and time that a new student needs to have in order to become a new student? Uh, what is the curriculum? Uh, you as a new student, Matthew, would you like to oh, – we're a new brother, not it's, a new student. It's very fresh in my mind. So it's one year. The <laughs> class is one year, and classes are um, once every two weeks. Um, and classes um, – each class might be, depending on, on how much is going on, it could be an hour to a two hours in length. So figure you have to carve out about two hours every two weeks to meet with your teacher and your class. If it is something that can be done over Skype or Google Hangouts, the only exception is that there are two times that the student needs to be in person with the teacher, and that is there is a mid-year session, uh, which will usually take place over a weekend, that needs to be in person uh, for certain lessons that can only be taught in person. And then again, at the end of the year, initiation has to be in person. So um, those are the commitments. Um, 
I did not find the homework arduous. I have friends who are studying other paths who have a tremendous workload in terms of homework. They have a syllabus. They have book reports they have to do. They have presentations they have to give. They have tons and tons of reading to do. They have tons and tons of studying to do on top of the meditation and the practice, you know, you know, you know this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, our main path, you know, is, is not going to consume your life. Um, I'm an incredibly busy person. I have a day job. I am a songwriter, recording artist, performer. Um, I'm also very much involved in my community. I was able to continue with all of those activities while I was going through my year with the unnamed path. That being said, um, you do want to be in a position to carve out a little bit of time every day. Uh, We do have um, daily practice. Um, which basically starts out mostly meditation. Um, But honestly, if you're a spiritual person, whether you're taking the class or not, it's a good idea to have at least 10, 15 minutes a day that you can devote to yourself, that you can devote to your relationship with spirit, even if it's just meditating or doing a mantra for that time. Um, Unnamed path is not... You know, it's 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 not it's not arduous. Um, however, I think maybe for some folks, the some of the shadow work is psychologically arduous. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that, that shadow, has nothing to do with time. Usually, shadow work is usually one of those things that kind of weeds out those who just they can't make it through. And uh, that's another thing. Not everyone who starts taking the course will end up fish, finishing the course. You know, life happens. So for some reason mm-hmm. or another, you might not, you might get halfway through and then, boom, you have to stop taking classes. That If that happens, you're always welcome to come back and, you know, retake you know, and continue on to the courses. There are very few instances where someone has had to leave and they are not invited back to take courses. Um, another thing uh, I don't think Matthew talked about is depending on the teacher, uh, you will talk with your teacher when you are trying to set up a time. They will see, you know, if you're if it's one student, if it's multiple students, they will try to get what times you have free to find the best time to do the classes. And there's also uh, Matthew said homework. There's also class dues. Uh, the, there's a fee for the classes. A lot, I know a lot of people who, when they hear that, they're like, oh, I have to pay for this? Yes, you do <laughs> have to pay. Uh, this is something that someone is taking time out of their schedule to teach you that's something that they have, you know, compiled lesson plans. You know, it is, there, what is the saying? You can't get something for nothing. Well, and it's, it's a sacrifice. It's, yeah, and it's it's work it's work for the teacher, and um, I'm a believer that there always needs to be an energy exchange. And um, for me, I did not find the cost of the class to be um, a hardship at all. Um, you know, it's 
you know, there are folks I know who will go to a weekend spiritual retreat and spend uh, double the amount of money of what it costs me to study the unnamed path for a year. So, um, you know, if it's, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that I, I think a lot of things are spirit driven. So if you're meant to, if this path is meant for you, it's going to click somehow. Um, and I have experience with, with other initiatory paths where sometimes you see people who are curious and they start out, but then they drop out. And I think lots of times it ha- just has to do with the energies. It has to do with where that person is in their life. Um, you know, just because you want something doesn't necessarily mean that it's right for you at this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or sometimes, you know, getting halfway gets you to where you need it to be, but then maybe you need a year or two to process that before you can take the next step. And and that's okay. I think we have to be um, patient with ourselves and patient with one another um, and not see that as failure. Um, it's okay um, for some folks to go slow. And that's, I think, with any initiatory tradition. I, I've, I've seen it with other systems as well. Another question that popped up in the chat room is, what is shadow work? Now, well, you go ahead, Matt. You, since, again, you're work the newly initiated yeah. <laughs> Shadow work has to do with facing your shadow. Uh, some people call it their inner demon. Uh, if you're familiar with um, psychology, um, uh, Carl Jung talks about the shadow as an aspect of uh, our consciousness, and that's where all of our fears live, um, our repressed feelings live there. Um, if we have a traumatic experience and we've blocked out the memory, that memory lives in our shadow. If we have feelings that we are ashamed of and that we don't want to admit to, those feelings live in our shadow. And shadow work is an essential element in developing the capacity to do good shamanic work because doing shamanic work means diving into the dark recesses of the soul. And when you dive into those dark recesses of the soul, you have to be prepared to deal with your shadow and your inner demons or you're not going to be able to do good work. And that's why it's an essential element of the um, coursework. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, even though it's part of the coursework, Shadow work is something that we are continually working on. It once you know once you reach initiation, it's not oh I don't have to do shadow work anymore. Wrong. If you do not do your shadow work on it goes fairly on. regular basis, it's even more intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If yeah if you if you don't you know pay attention to your shadow, it will bite you. It will literally. Uh, we have we do have a we have one brother who at some point hopefully we'll get him on the show. Um, Sphinx, who loves doing shadow work. Seems like he's always doing shadow work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we always like to say shadow work is never done until you have died, until you've passed on. Because um, there's always going to be something that comes up that you thought you had worked through that, oh, I guess I didn't, or something 
new that pops up on your you know journey of life that you're going to have to work through um, you know it's all the fears and stuff that you're going to come across in life that you need to address and work with yeah and I think <clears throat> you know and I've seen it's not unique to the ending path there are many other systems, especially mm-hmm. shamanic systems, that emphasize shadow work and that even call it shadow work. I think it's particularly important in Onion Path because what we go through in our shadow work, for me in many ways, seems like a reflection of the relationship between the two gods in Unnamed Path. Um, you know, if, if you've listened to Hyperion's podcast yet, there's one deity who's very cerebral and, and intellectual and selfless and 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 his partner is is very primal and instinct based and you know just as you know the ideal divine relationship is that these two divine lovers come together um in love uh we need to have that relationship inside ourselves you know the the the, the you know the the self that lives up in the head needs to heal as part of our healing develops a loving relationship with that which we have been suppressing and denying in ourselves so that we can be transmuted and become more whole. Mhm. Mhm. Okay, let's see what else what else. Well, just just so you know in the future, we plan on making the show about an hour long, but since this is our first episode and there's not really another show after this, most of the shows on the blog talk on um, which school tend to have two shows in a night. We're the only show right now on Saturdays, so we can kind of go a little bit long if we need to, you know, depending on in the future if we have guests or if we get into some really good discussions. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, we kind of have a block of a couple of hours that we could do if we needed to. Very cool. Uh, let's see. There was something I was going to ask. Oh, what was it? My brain just went poof. I was like, I had a question. I had a statement. What was it? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to yeah, tell your memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, it kind of, it kind of just popped in. Um, you know, before you know, we end up closing the show for the, um, the question I wanted to ask you, Matthew, that I don't think I've asked you before. Um, well, one thing when we do initiation and in ending path, you know, we have there are four deities in the ending path: the dark god, mm-hmm. light god, dark goddess, and light goddess. When we are going through our classes, you are introduced to all four of them, and you build a relationship with them. And you tend to kind of vibrate more with one than the others. And if you make it to initiation, that one god or goddess becomes your patron or matron deity. Uh, Who was your um, matron or patron, Matthew? I am a child of the light goddess. Okay. Okay. I'm 
and I myself am a child of the Dark God. Um, and since I'm also going through the teacher training, uh, I have a secondary parent who is the Dark Goddess. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, there's a that nice balance a, there. Yes. Yeah. Whenever you become a become if you become a teacher in the path, you always get a secondary parent and it's the opposite gender of the one that you got when you were initiated. Um oh Paul's like God. Huh. Awesome. Um Paul in the chat room was saying he found the Velvet Rage to be very helpful in shadow work and that's very true. The Velvet Rage is another book that Hyperion uh, mentions in the podcast that it's also kind of a hard read. I mean, it's, again, not a big book, but it's a very weighty read with the emotions and whatnot. Um, when I was going through classes, I wasn't able to find a copy of the book, but I did find oh. it on audiobook. Uh-huh. So, and I believe it's the author of The Velvet Rage who reads it in the audiobook oh, version wow. that I have. Yeah, I, so, I was able to get yeah. a, a print copy. And that, I eventually found a print I mean, copy. That, yeah. But yeah. What were you saying, Matthew? Yeah, I was going to say um, it was towards the beginning of the course that, uh, that that book was assigned, and it's invaluable. And I, I think for some folks to talk about, well, you know, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a you know I'm a woman who loves men, or I'm a man who loves women is is an empath right for me. Well, you know, if you take the class, one of the first things you're going to have to do is read a book about um, uh, the psychological problems that we as gay men have in society. So, if you're a straight man or a straight woman, you're probably not going to get a whole lot out of that book. <laughs> Because um, again, it's a system that you know that helps us heal ourselves, so that we can go forth and be better healers in the community. And um, the Velvet Rage is invaluable. Um, I would agree with Paul Mensa; it's invaluable for for shadow work because um, the experience of queer men in our society, we do have unique baggage. We do have a unique pattern of um, what we experience from society, how we deal with denial, how we deal, how we cope with um, the, the biases in our society, and, and, and there are certain patterns that we tend to follow. And when we recognize those patterns, um, we can recognize how some of these patterns, some of these coping mechanisms um, impede our happiness. And through the shadow work, coupled with reading The Velvet Rage and understanding these coping mechanisms that we've adopted, we're tooled up to make more conscious decisions about how to live and what's really going to make us happy, how to truly live a more fulfilled life, how to really be at peace with ourselves. Um, And I would say anyone who's listening, um, if you're gay or bi, male or female, um, even if you don't think an empath is right for you, I would definitely check out the Velvet Rage because it's it's very psychological, uh, but it's an 
it's uh, not intellectual. Um, it's it's a lot of it's vignettes and, and and stories that that you're going to relate to, and you are going to come away with tools that will allow you to be easier on yourself and to be more happy. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's almost time to kind of you know start wrapping up. But uh, before we go, let's see, what was it? Um, do you have anything you would like to add, Matthew? Uh, final announcements. Um, definitely, definitely visit stoneandstang.com. Um, if you can't come and join us this year, uh, it looks like we're scheduling them every other year. So definitely check it out because if you, if you're not able to make it this year, there'll definitely be uh, another one coming up. Um, again, um, there are still slots available for workshops, presentations. So um, any folks out there that have something to share um, that fits in with the theme of the weekend, which is essentially bridging the physical and spiritual and shamanic work, um, feel free to submit. Um, also, um, you can uh, message us, uh, either Michael or myself, with any questions or topics you want us to address in future episodes. And please be sure to tune in. Our next episode is September 24th, I believe. Yes, I do believe that is right. Yes, yeah, September 24th. And you know, if you have any more questions on the Unnamed Path, you can always visit uh, unnamedpath.com or send an email to, I believe it's, oh, now I can't remember. I believe the email for the Unnamed Path is theunnamedpath at gmail.com. Oh, I hope I got that right. <laughs> um, but if you can't, if you have trouble with that one, you can email us here for the show at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account if you happen to do Twitter. We're going to get it more up and running. Uh, I kind of have to manage a couple different Twitter accounts. So I unfortunately slacked a little bit on uh, our Twitter. But it's at walking underscore the UP. And we also have a Facebook group, uh, Facebook page. There's a Facebook group for the Unnamed Path if you're interested in that. And we're always, you know, if you are wanting to know about when teachers are going to be announcing classes, that is a great way to find out when teachers will be announcing classes. They'll also announce in other groups online. Um, but definitely the Unnamed Path Facebook group is the place to go for that. But we do have a Facebook page. It is uh, facebook.com slash walking the unnamed path. And, oh, and just, you know, for next episode, you know, when we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, the time zones and whatnot, I kind of got a little confused when I was setting up for this episode. I'm so used to thinking, um, what is it, backwards for when I'm counting when we're interacting with the brothers in California, yeah. that I totally got, I totally got the time flipped when I was setting this up with our station manager. So next week's show will not 
well, not next week. Uh, the next show will not be at 3 Central Time. It will be 2 Central Time, I believe. Yes. That's yeah, 3 o'clock 2 Eastern, PM. 2 o'clock Central. Yes. That's, that's the time that me and Matthew had decided on, and I totally messed up. And I'm so sorry for that, Matthew. <laughs> well, you know, I can't criticize because I'm sitting here counting on my fingers. So <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also, if you have, you know, a little announcement, if you happen to be going to Chicago Pagan Pride next weekend, I'm going to be there with my partner. Uh, this will be our second time attending Chicago Pagan Pride, and we're very excited for it. Um, I do believe, I think I'm going to be meeting up with our brother Paul at some point at uh, Pagan Pride. So that should be a lot of fun. Cool. Um, Great. Yes. And again, if you have any questions or you know ideas for future shows, because we do want this to be a conversation uh, with listeners. You know, we want you to give us questions or topics that you have come across in your own studies of the ending path, or something that you're interested in the ending path that we can expound upon. You know, if we need to, we can go talk with the other brothers and be like, hey, we had this great question. How, how can we answer this? <laughs> so please, you know, email us, uh, find us on Facebook. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I covered everything. Okay, <laughs> great. I want to I wanna thank everyone for tuning in and um, – you know, we look forward to we look forward to next time. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you to uh, WitchSchool.com. Uh, I believe it's WitchSchool, the Carillions, uh, Penguins Tonight Radio for letting us have this platform to do this show. And yeah, <laughs> well, again, it was awesome talking to you, Matthew. I look forward to our next show. It was a pleasure, yeah, me too. All right, Michael, and uh, have a good night. And everybody out there, have a beautiful and safe rest of your weekend. And thank you for tuning in to Walking the Unnamed Path. We look forward to walking with you again next time on September 24th. Be safe. (laughs) Yes, you too. Goodbye. Uh, Let's see.